Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald and welcome to Life as a, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. Sustainability is a term that evokes a myriad of emotional and intellectual reaction. So much so, some would argue that the word has run its course from the early beginnings and arguably hip usage within academia and environmental circles as a means to label approaches and strategies for identifying and tackling of present-day ecological issues. To some, sustainability has wrongfully become a convoluted catch-all phrase for a wide array of matters and has been used over and over to the point of it losing its luster and most importantly clarity as per what it truly is referring to. Other buzzier labels, theories, and approaches such as regenerative or circularity-based approaches to environmental solutions are presently muscling their way into our collective consciousness. Make no mistake though, much of this largely comes down to semantics. Whatever you reference or refer to when considering the state of the environment or what needs to be done, I mean, the truth is that our planet does not care. It simply needs immediate action. Well, on today's show, we have a guest who has dedicated himself with a laser-like focus on tackling many of the issues our Mother Earth is facing. And in the process, he's built an identity, ethos, and career centered on improving the state of our environment in the now and hopefully for generations to come. Yeah, so welcome to the show. Joel Harder could be considered as a sustainability champion, superstar, superhero, rock star, or whatever superlative label you can conjure up. Well, let's start with this. He's an internationally recognized thought leader, influencer, educator, and advisor in strategies that foster a culture of sustainability. His experience spans pretty much all dimensions of sustainability and not limited to the following. And get ready for this. Here we go. Project oversight, making business cases for sustainability, policy and government affairs, philanthropy, stakeholder and community engagement, brand partnerships, environmental conservation, education, monitoring and reporting, operations and collaboration with executive leadership teams. His work as a National Geographic Explorer illustrates many of these points. Take his work on projects across East and Southern Africa and Madagascar National Parks. There, he has worked on issues of sustainable farming, endangered wildlife conservation, climate change, resource extraction, and human behavior. I mean, you could also consider his leading of economic development for rural Colorado related to local farming and the outdoor industry, or even the sustainability strategies he developed for the ski and consumer packaged goods industry. Yeah, so are you buying into this sustainability superhero alter ego for Joel yet? Well, I'm not done. He is also a professor at the University of Colorado and the founding director of one of the U.S.'s largest sustainability programs, which provides a talent pipeline for the next sustainability leaders. Joel is also the founding director of the nation's first graduate program supporting the outdoor industry through business and leadership, public lands policy, and economic development. Well, to end any debate on my sustainability superhero labeling for Joel, I'm going to leave you with uh, these stone-cold facts. Through his work in the private, nonprofit, and public sector, Joel has created new technology to reduce commercial vehicle emissions on over 1 million commercial trucks, 
developed some of the first open source hybrid vehicle software, and started an international NGO focused on girls and women's empowerment in Uganda, supporting over 100,000. Mic drop. So with all that said, Joel, I mean, it's an absolute honor to welcome you to the program. How are you doing? Very well. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Christopher. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on here. And again, I mean, like considering all that you're doing, all that you have done, it's a wonder that you found any time to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to quite frankly, to do this. So yeah, yeah, really excited about it all. With that in mind, though, I do want to jump right into it. And I have the first segment lined up. It's something called Coloring Wikipedia. And as my listeners know, this is a segment where I basically just read off a definition of what the guest does, sometimes their industry. And I do it for a couple of reasons. One, it brings everybody up to speed on the profession or the industry itself. And then also, too, I think it's interesting in the sense that, you know, through our own varied work experiences, you know, regionally, internationally, we might hold the same title. We might work within the same industry, but we put our own stamp on things. And I think that that acknowledgement makes it all the more interesting. So I do have you down here for sustainability, obviously. And let me just read that off and then uh, I'll ask for some comments after. Does that sound all right? Sure, that's great. All right, here we go. Sustainability. Sustainability is a societal goal that relates to the ability of people to safely coexist on Earth over a long time. Specific definitions of sustainability are difficult to agree on and have varied with literature, context, and time. Sustainability is commonly described as having three dimensions or pillars, environmental, economic, and social. Many publications state that the environmental dimension is the most important, and for this reason, in everyday use, sustainability is often focused on countering major environmental problems such as climate change, loss of biodiversity, um, loss of ecosystem services, and land degradation, and air and water pollution. The concept of sustainability can be used to guide decisions at the global, national, and individual levels. For example, sustainable living. A bit of a mouthful, stumbled through it a little bit there, but uh, <laughs> first take, what do you think of that? Well, um, that's, that it certainly is a mouthful. It's a long paragraph, and it's, it's certainly very academic. The way I think about this, I think about sustainability in much more practical terms, much more accessible terms and ways that, I mean, frankly, this is a pretty, uh, it sounds, it, it comes across in a way that is in some ways very heady, very academic, in some ways very exclusive. And to me, in order to, to do and, and, be, and be part of the sustainability movement, I don't want to make it inclusive. In fact, the innovation, the important work is going to come through inclusivity and not exclusivity. And so, yes, sustainability is extremely complex. And yes, there are the three dimensions of it, economic, social, and environment. But where I get stuck is when we put so many words here yeah. that people stumble across and then they lose focus on it. And, and then it becomes something that people just don't pay attention to. So I think this is a tough one to, to understand. I think there's better ways of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well said. No, I really like that point. And it, it's interesting as well. I mean, off the top, when I was introducing you, uh, you know, it, it's become this, like you said, you're kind of inferring, you know, this convoluted sort of term like for what it means to people. And, and also, too, I think, like within this movement at times, like there's this, I don't know, this, this, this sort of attachment or people like to attach themselves to new movements, buzzier terms, buzzier labels, you know, and I think that's part of it as well, where like now sometimes like, oh, sustainability, 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 people have thrown it yeah. around so many times that now like, well, we've heard that now, we, you know, we, we, we got to find something else that's going to like, 
catch headlines or whatever else. So people are moving yeah. on from it as well. And, and, and sometimes, you know, rightfully so, but other times I think they're, they're missing the point of it all too. And I think that's, that's something worth, uh, you know, acknowledging I mean, really quickly, maybe your thoughts on that. I agree with you. I think that if you make, if you cr- try to create this so academic, then that's where, that's where it becomes inaccessible or that's where it get that's where it stays. We really need everybody to, to play an important role. Look, climate change is the most important issue of our time, and we need everyone as part of that. And sustainability is part of that, and, and we need to take action. And if we sort of rely on these academic definitions, or then we're just going to shrink that opportunity for everyone to be involved. And so for me, it's it's important that we really think both broadly and we have to think about that sustainability is much more than just sort of an adjective or sort of state of being like a sustainable product or your sustainable living. We have to think about it really in that in the way that is that is intersectional, that involves people, that is multi-layered. And it isn't just about environment. It really involves people, social impact, it involves education, it involves equity. That is the important part of what, in the essence of sustainability, not just these sort of academic definitions. Yeah, love that. Love it. Well, maybe shifting things back towards you for a second here, again, listening, you know, off a lot of what you've been doing, a lot of your accomplishments and whatnot. I'd be curious about what's taking your time right now. I mean, again, you've been involved in consulting, advising, strategy, implementing, educating, a bunch of different things. But at present, what is taking your efforts and energy? Well, I got two things that I'm really deeply involved in. Number one, I run two professional graduate programs here at the University of Colorado. One is the Masters of the Environment and one is the Outdoor Recreation Economy. Both are groundbreaking programs. So with the MENV program, it is now one of the nation's largest and leading sustainability professional programs. And the Outdoor Recreation Economy is the nation's first program, or actually the, the first program anywhere, that focuses on the workforce development for the $862 billion outdoor industry. Working and developing and leading for these two organizations and developing talent for the next sustainability leaders to go off and do impactful careers, that's really fulfilling. And that's what I'm working on. So I teach, and, and as part of that as well, I teach a responsible business course. So I help students understand how to make the business and moral case for sustainability. Now, the other part of me and what I do is I work with uh, organizations across the U.S. and elsewhere to help them fulfill that sustainability mission and further embed sustainability goals in their organization. So whether they're sustainability curious is what I call them, or folks who want to more deeply dive into it and align their mission with their business, I work with organizations across the country, big and small, to help them really focus and intently do sustainability for their organization so they can accelerate their transition towards that brighter future. Well, I guess that would take a bit of your time then. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does. Yeah, it, it sure fun. does. It's wholly impressive as well. And uh, it must be exciting in the sense too that like the, the programs that you're part of are groundbreaking, you know, as you just mentioned, one being the one of the largest in the country and then another being the first type of program of its kind. You know, so with that certainly comes opportunities to really shape things and shift things in, in ways that you see fit that, that are going to deliver impact and whatnot. And I can only imagine the rewards. Certainly, there must be some challenges, some stress and pressure <laughs> associated with all of that. You know, when, sure. when you are trailblazing, that, that's part of, you know, part and parcel of it. But uh, all the same, though, too, I mean, the rewards must be there, too, in, in terms of seeing how 
it can deliver impact and the potential that it offers. You know, it's still early days for it, certainly. So in terms of all of this, I guess, you know, what would be a typical day, week, month for you? I don't know if even that's possible to entertain. Yeah, so, you know, a typical day, week, month, you know, varies. In my in my role, there really is, it's less typical. And, and But what has been interesting, and certainly the pandemic has forced a change and forced us to be adaptive and flexible. Um, my day is like a typical day like today is I meet with organizations um, in the private sector and public sector. Today, we met with a couple companies to talk about, one, about their sustainability goals and where they want to be. To and help their leadership team to help shape their strategy and their implementation. So I took a couple of meetings there. And I'm meeting with some students to talk about their prospective job opportunities. I always have students who want to talk about the class that I teach. And the classes, because these are professional students, they're more interested in what are the steps that they need to take mm-hmm. to have an impactful career? What are the skills, knowledge, and expertise that they can they can um, learn and and they can practice so that they can pivot in their career. So many of our students are coming from engineering or from former military or have an education background or business background, and they want to pivot into a career in sustainability. And I think that's a really great opportunity for, for me and for our other faculty who take that very, very seriously. So we spend lots of time working with our students and and helping them and supporting them in, in often in their career transitions. And to me, that's extremely fulfilling. And that so that takes a, a lot of time um, yeah. during the day. And then I also do some class preparation. And then there's the sort of everyday workings of, of making an organization that has 100 faculty and 10 wow. staff um, work day to day. Yeah. Okay. So again, busy guy, <laughs> to say the least. But yeah, you know, again, uh, returning that point of just fulfilling you know, a lot of fulfillment. I could see that there. And, and, and also acknowledging the fact that this sustainability movement for those who have already, you know, joined in on it, you are starting to see like progress in that sense where people do want to attach themselves to it. And it's, it's, it's encouraging to hear like people that you're just describing there, people with engineering backgrounds or people from the military or wherever else pivoting towards this, pivoting into it you know, having a yeah. degree of passion for it. I mean, that that is certainly encouraging unto itself. And then spending some time working with them and uh, and, and seeing the results, perhaps, you know, a year or two down the line of, of where these people yeah, are ending and up. Then there's more to it. That, you know, what what is really interesting is, you know, a few years back, even when I was in, in college and even before that, I, I was already interested in things like sustainability. We just didn't call it that. Mm. And what's neat is that many of our students are looking at jobs that weren't even created two years ago uh, or longer, five years ago, certainly, 10 yeah. years ago, definitely not. But now we have new kinds of opportunities. It's really, really exciting for students. So they're able to chart their course. So for me, that makes sense where we're helping students develop the skills and opportunities to be able to pivot. And also, you know, sustainability is for everybody. So it's not just the folks who are interested in biology. It's a yes and situation. So biology, environmental science, environmental studies, those are great foundational major years uh, and pathways. At the same time, we need engineers. We need folks who are interested in business. We need the creative arts. We need folks who are passionate about educating children to all be part of this movement. It's not exclusive. Yeah. And so if there's one thing I want everybody to take away from today is that it is sustainability does need everybody. Communications to journalism, to 
political science to to trades, it is an important part for all of us to be part of that movement. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I'm so glad that you brought that up right out of the gate here. Um, maybe we can meander into a new segment here, Joel, something called sure. Pathways and returning to you a little bit. Again, John references this several times already. You've been part of a lot of different activities and certainly you are right now, but maybe we could rewind a little bit. You know, I'd be curious about your backstory, about how you got involved in all of this. Like what, what pulled you in? Maybe you could share that with listeners. Yeah. So, you know, the way I came into this is, and what I do, I have a, I have a curvy, swervy background. And, and I often see this with, you know, many of the folks that I work with in sustainability. So, like I said, I, I grew up and I, I knew that I wanted to be part of both a career at some point that had impact. And I'm not a person that often colors in the lines. Mm. I often chart my own course. I do a lot of things that are sort of on my own. So in high school, I really got involved in a lot of sort of conservation and environmental science stuff and started a local explorers club chapter. And then I knew that when I got into undergrad that mechanical engineering, although that's my undergrad, one of my undergraduate degree, I knew that I wanted to really begin to sort of see different things in a different way. And, and so I studied a foreign language. So I studied German as well. Okay. And I went abroad and I thought, this is really what I want to do is sort of combine the creative spirit, understand different cultures and understand what, how decisions that we make in different places have, have impacts elsewhere. So when I got done with engineering, uh, I do what every other engineer does when they get done with engineering. I took a job for the National Park Service working as a backcountry ranger at Zion National Park. Wow. That, what a great opportunity wow. for me yeah. to really fulfill my passions and to really experience the, the natural world in a very different way. And that really set me on a, on, a, on a path to thinking about how I can use my critical and analytical skills to do something and support conservation and to really do good for planet and people. So fast forwarding a little bit, I went. I decided to go back to graduate school and I wanted to focus on a way that really understood why, what is sustainability at the heart of it. And to me, what's at the heart of it is people, mm. behavior and culture. And so I spent the better part of a number of years working across the world, primarily in Africa, as both a National Geographic Explorer and working on other projects with U.S. Agency for International Development, Centers for Disease um, control and prevention, and other organizations to support business and, and local economic development, conservation of wildlife, uh, endangered wildlife species, and to also start a nonprofit. And that really was focused on uh, education and empowerment. And really at the heart of sustainability, if we are really going to move the needle on places and and it's really through education and not just move the needle on places, but really at the heart, it's, it's sustainability got to start to provide some opportunity. And it's just not it's not just me going into a place, but rather working and uh, to support already initiatives that were already um, in a place. And so I worked with a variety of different partners to start a nonprofit over in Uganda, um, which is in East Africa. It's a country about the size of uh, the state of Oregon. Doug often was successful, fast forwarding a little bit, and here I am taking all those different learnings along the way, those different experiences, and looking and doing sustainability in a, in a more comprehensive way and not just starting a recycling club. That's all great, but really encompassing all of 
what I know and do into a broader sustainability movement. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And I think one thing that, that really stood out to me as you were laying that all out was this desire from a young age to expose yourself to different ideas, to different, you know, ways or approaches within sustainability and not limiting yourself to say just within North America. I, I, you know, I think that's a point that can often be overlooked perhaps by, by youth or by anyone for that matter. But once you go out, once you get out of, say, North America, you go, you visit other countries, and you can see some of these actions or theories that you might have studied or these you know, notions of what works and what doesn't work. But when you visit a country that has challenges that maybe you weren't aware of, perhaps, there's a deeper sense of appreciation, one, for some of those challenges, but two, then it, it also maybe you know, sparks new ideas for you or you, know, you come to Absolutely. realizations that, well, maybe this this preconceived notion that I had of this would definitely work this why aren't these other these other countries doing x y and z well once you're on the ground you can see some of these challenges unique challenges that they face within their own communities and absolutely yeah putting all that together really allows you know anyone to come up with new solutions potentially or new approaches or empathetic approaches to how you might go about doing things in the future so I think there's certainly value in in that in that alone Absolutely. The global understanding is, is important. And I know you didn't ask for this, but this is, this is my plug for any opportunity to study abroad and yeah. work abroad. I studied for a summer abroad in high school. I did a year abroad in college. I worked abroad in college. And then in graduate school, I spent time living in, in East Africa as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was a all of those experiences. If you can have multiple transformative experiences, they were. I grew up. I learned more about myself in those times and experiences than ever. And I, I would say to anybody who is considering sort of what their path is, that these study abroad, work abroad, being abroad is absolutely an important um, and transformative experience. 100%. I, I'm on the one-year going on 20-year plan here in Japan. <laughs> but uh, it's a bit of a long program, but, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But no, totally. I, I, I endorse everything that you're saying because it just allows you to, uh, to, to really challenge your own ideals, not just about yeah, you sure know, one sphere of life and living, say sustain, sustainability, but everything. It, it shifts who you are, who you think you are and, and everything else. So yeah, most definitely Wait. I would concur with all of that. But maybe we could actually uh, slide into a different segment here, Joel, a Q&A discussion. Sure. We can just continue this back and forth. And I'd like to return to, uh, you know, University of Colorado, what you're doing right now in the founding of both of these programs. You've already spoken about them a little bit in terms of some of your roles, responsibilities, but maybe I could hear a little bit more about what led you to this fairly gargantuan undertaking of starting these programs. Again, like one of those programs not existing prior to your involvement, like that, that's a big deal. And the other being one of the biggest in the nation, you know, like maybe you could shed a little bit more insights on all of that. Sure. Well, you know, it's it, it's so building and being an, uh, an entrepreneur is is in my is is who I am. It's part of my DNA, and so I've been starting programs. It's part of who, like I said, part of who I am. I started one in uh, I started a an engineers abroad program over at the University of Michigan that still exists to this day. Uh, I started a couple of programs at the University of New Hampshire where I was previous to the University of Colorado, and then these two pro- programs that I did that, that I did start. That have grown tremendously, but where does that come from? I think for me, a couple of things. You know, I I did a strengths finder a while ago to sort of look at where my sort of personality, and my strengths are. I'm a person who is who is a futurist, an optimist, and an activator. 
And what those all mean is that I really look to creating change and I'm looking to to really fulfill, not just for me, but to make an impact and to be an influence in making the world a better place. And so that's really where, where my heart comes in. I am, people who know me know that I'm relationship driven. So I start first with heart, start first with relationships and building that. I am, I have, I'm super energetic. I am a very high energy person. I I start very early and I end late. But for me, what I thought from an early age is how can we make the places where we live better? How can we connect more to people? How can we develop relationships? And how can we make, how can we serve the communities where we live and work in meaningful ways? That to me is at the heart of what we do. And that's really what, what drives me. Yes, I can make big programs, love what I do. Again, where the heart is, is, is when I see our students blossom into and their take their next careers. And I know that they came in from say, uh, they were in the, they were in the military or they were teachers and to blossom into these new careers that they're so passionate about. One that's su- extremely fulfilling, but two, what's even more fulfilling is when they come back five, five years later and offer new opportunities to our current students. There you go. So creating that sort of cycle of that cycle of opportunity, that's exciting. And that's honestly the, the part that really keeps me going to build this sort of snowball movement where I can plant, help plant the seed. But remember, it's not just me. Yeah, It's I can help catalyze or be part of that movement. There's a whole bunch of people alongside me, in front of me and behind me that we get to, that we get to work with. And that is I some of the best and brightest minds around in, in the ecosystem I work with, students and faculty and others. So it's not just my ideas, yeah. it's people around me. So I'm a sponge and I, I love to be part of that where people are just so excited to do better for, for planet and people. Mm. I, you know, in, in listening to that there, one thing that uh, I was considering was that one, certainly passion, you know, a lot of passion behind all of this, but then also two, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. But Beyond that, though, some of the initiatives, again, these programs and, and the impact that they have is on scale. And that's what I love because yeah. that's what this, this whole movement demands. Right? We, we need that to, to really move that needle in one way or the other. So what you are creating are these opportunities for you know, major impacts to be felt, not just in the now, but down the line as well. As you were just saying, you know, some of these graduates coming back and offering new possibilities to you know, future graduates. and. And everything else, and, and and that spirals out. Certainly, that spirals out. So, being part of that, being you know the one who's planting some of these seeds, yeah, there must be just a major, major sense of accomplishment and fulfillment uh, associated with it all. So, yeah. Well, I do have this other question. You know, in terms of, I guess, well, relating to what we were just speaking about, jobs. You know, jobs themselves. And on this program, I uh, what was it late last year? I had a sustainability consultant. She was actually working within the uh, television film industry. She'd been a, a producer, you know, highly decorated one, Emmy Award winner, and she shifted her entire career into sustainability consulting. And she made this statement on, on the program saying that that line of work is quickly morphing into the job of the century. And it just kind of struck me, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it struck me and it still sort of sits with me a little bit. But uh, one, I'd be curious to hear what you think about that. And then two, what are some other jobs that, uh, that you could see evolving to the point of being attractive to, to people that want to get into the sustainability movement? Yeah, I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. So let me just give you 
a little bit of um, background here. We know that about 85% of Gen Z and millennials want to align or are aligning their careers with their personal values and passion. And one of the primary issues that Gen Zers in particular are citing and in terms of making career choices, making or thinking about career pathways is climate and climate action and under that false sustainability. So we do know that this is an important part of who we are. And we also know that that more and more companies due to federal regulations, due to pressure and influence from customers, from employees, from regulations and legislation, is that there's more attention or pressure on alignment with what could be called sustainability goals. And I think that's really, really important. And at the same time, with social media the way it is and people able to consume media and content at a fast rate, we know that that companies and organizations, they have a watchful eye, so to speak. And I don't mean that in a big brother way. I mean that you know, people are are keeping an eye on the kinds of organizations that, that they support, the products that they buy, where they shop, and that's important. And so I say all of that in the context of what does it look like to have a career in this field? Number one is, like I said before, five, 10 years ago, many of these, these career choices and these pathways did not exist. So I think now is an exciting time to, to think about what sustainability is. Number two, sustainability again, is beyond a discipline that is an ecologist or a hydrologist or somebody who studies uh, the environment, it could be a teacher. So do so. it could be somebody who teaches sustainability inside a high school. It could be the water manager at the city. It could be somebody who does small business development in a rural community. Those, they're very different jobs if we think about sustainability. So it isn't just narrow focus. Mm -hmm. It's what I like to think about sustainability is a yes and. Sustainability is, yes, we think about sort of waste diversion, waste management, and those kinds of things like recycling. But we also know, like, for instance, in the apparel industry, there's a lot of interest about how do we recycle materials? How do we create designs that use water more efficiently? Mm -hmm. How How do we market and communicate these different ideas? How do we use our companies to advocate for fair wage and fair labor practices? So you can start to see the different intersections of policy, advocacy, operations, infrastructure, construction, to engineering. Now is the time to think about that. So when I say, okay, sustainability consultant, well, there's a lot of ways that you can do sustainability consulting. You can think about emissions. You could think about uh, products. You could think about marketing. You could think about marketing and advertising. You could think about human resources. You could think about policies and regulations. Sustainability is so broad that I think now is how do folks understand and realize they can do this kind of work mm-hmm. in a functional role or in a kind of job that they wouldn't otherwise think about? Say marketing, for instance. How do you align your product? with sustainability goals and objectives. Yeah. And so I think that that's an illustration of, yes, it's it's blowing up. And, but part of it is it's not only thinking about what's going to come next. I th- also want folks to understand we're already here. Mm. And so now how do they transition in the careers that they have or think about layering or, or reskilling or upskilling 
or re-educating and modifying who they are to adapt to this new way of thinking. Yeah, I really like that. I like, I like that point of more or less a job itself, an existing position that's already out there with this plus alpha, you know, and yeah, what you're just speaking. It is a plus. It, it, it's exactly that. And, and whether it's people going, seeking out ways to, like you said, upskill, gain more knowledge. And, and, and in essence, by doing so, they might be creating that position for themselves within a year or two you know, within their organizations who are recognizing yeah. that maybe we do need to make some changes. So there's that side of it. But then also too, like for, for youth, I suppose, that are within university or going back into master's programs or perhaps part of your program, I'd imagine that you have courses, you have, you know, opportunities for these individuals to be gaining that type of specialized skill and uh, awareness that they can take out into the real world and say, well, I do have my base here within engineering, but I also have you know, this, this, this that aligns with, you know, this type of sustainability movement or these types of issues. And that, you know, for one, probably gives them a leg up in the hiring process, but two, really positions them well to, to deliver impact as well. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. In, in fact, we're finding folks that, you know, what we hear is, and for more and more companies is that we want, we want people not to just to understand sort of sustainability as an add-on, but something that's that's built into who they are in the organization. And so that means not just sort of viewing this as sort of black and white, it's the entire prism of colors and to feel free to color outside the lines. Mm. Um, so often that we're going to have to create, again, what is going to come next and to, and to think ahead what's around the next corner. And that's going to mean that we're going to have to color outside those lines. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, I have this other question here too. In terms sure. of... Yeah, in terms of this this notion of sustainability consulting, generally speaking, I'd be curious to hear, like, from your perspective, what is the biggest challenge that you face with that in advancing this cause? I mean, there's, there's several, obviously, but for you personally, what, what what is it? I think with some of the company, some of the organizations I work with, one of the challenge is sustainability, or as a sort of end state. Mm. Uh, and so what do I mean by that? It means that we're going to be a sustainable company and sustainability is ultimately about making hard choices. And so uh, let me give you a real life example. I'm working with an apparel company and they want to make the best material decisions they can use less water, mm -hmm. not have harmful chemicals. They want to have fair labor practices. They, and, and they also want to have gender pay parity. So, and a number of other things and also reduce their carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. And they're also a new organization that also wow. needs to keep the lights on and, and, and be yeah. profitable. Yeah. And that is really, really hard to think about all those different potential trade-offs and how they want to prioritize. And it's tough for a company to say, well, we need to prioritize essentially keeping the lights on, keeping the business profitable. And to do that, it means that we've got to reduce our material costs. So that may have implications. You can imagine what kind of potential choices that they have to make. Is it a quality choice about where the product come from? Is it how the product is made? Is it where the is it where the where where it's manufactured? And if it's manufactured, who is it manufactured by? Or what power source? Is it coal-fired or is it electrified? And so it is hard. That is the hardest thing for organizations, I think, to both wrestle with mm. and also communicate. The second part is that I often work with organizations that feel that that they can do a, a, a bunch of, of things, 
so related to what they call a sustainability, but not have a North Star, not have a have a real sort of guiding purpose. It's a bunch of things, a bunch of dots on a board rather than sort of a trajectory. And so, for instance, an organization that I had been working with is, well, we can do some a recycling project, we can do an education project, we can do a uh, a veterans outreach project, we can do something for mental health and, and bringing people to hike. All of that, those are great on their own. But what's difficult for them is to be able to put that into uh, a strategy that, that guides them towards fulfilling their sort of shared vision and, and mission. And that for that is really kind of tricky. So it's not just a tick the box. It's really built with authenticity. Mm. Well, how do you, as an individual working with these companies, how do you help them circumvent that? Because like the, the thing that sort of struck me when you're just lining all that up is like overwhelm. <laughs> you know, like it would be yeah. so easy for organizations to just get completely overwhelmed with it. They, they, they go in with positive intentions. We want to make an impact. Absolutely. We want to change. But when they hear all of this, like, oh, wow, like, wh- wh- where do we go? Yeah, what do we easy, do? It's, it's, right. almost, it's easily yeah. to get overwhelmed and yeah. say, well, where do we start? Why don't we just, and part of it is number one is I want folks to realize that they have a place yeah. at the table and they can have a voice. So understanding what are their opportunities and also the time is now to act and they can act in short, intentional ways. But first is one is to do something where they know, do you have the resources to follow through? Do you have the time, the energy, the personnel to be able to follow through? So let me give you a quick analogy. When we see this often, when I've been working overseas, we often find folks will come in, will visit different places. And I'll give the, uh, when I work in sub-Saharan Africa, they get really excited about trying to be involved in something. But we've seen this, you know, happen, you know, years ago and still continues to happen. Folks say, well, there's a need. How can I help fix it? Mm. And that sort of fixing mentality and sort of saving mentality ends up falling flat because in one case, I I worked with a village and they said, well, some, you know, somebody said they were going to provide us a bunch of tractors. Well, first of all, our nearest gasoline station is uh, 50 kilometers from here. Number two, we don't have what happens when it breaks breaks down. We don't have anybody trained as mechanics. And number three, the nearest parts are 500 kilometers away. So yeah. thank you, but it really doesn't help us. What we really need is we need our kids to go to school. So what I say is, is really understanding what they have the intention to do, what they have the ability and sort of resources to do and what they can follow through with. Now, there's more to it than that, that I help guide the, the organizations to help them understand their priorities, help them understand the implications of trade-offs, and then working with them in, a, in a, an intentional way to, to make steps along the way towards their priorities. So with the case of the apparel company that I gave, they had to sit down and really think about what their priorities are to be able to engage. And if it is fair labor practices, that is their North Star, then we have to take a look at how do we then align to that goal. Yeah. So it's breaking it down. It's returning to the foundations of what they want to be known for, what they want to be defined as basically, and then identifying you know the, the most critical elements to achieving some of those, those aims essentially is what I'm gathering from all of that. Yeah, okay. you're absolutely right. Yeah. All right. Well, in terms of all this, we, we've spoken to this point about this work potentially being, you know, a, a lot of fulfillment, a lot of reward for you, and certainly a lot of challenge at different points. And one of the things when I was deeply considering this and in this line of work and all that you do, and especially a lot of your accomplishment, 
I, I was thinking that like there probably was several moments there where you're like, you know, a bit of a pat on the back there. I've done this, this, and this, and some, you know, wonderful accomplishments. But also at the same time, this whole movement and what it represents is like you do something, but it's really never enough, right? Like we need <laughs> way more people to be involved. We need way more than this tiny little accomplishment, you know, not to belittle what, anything that you've done because you've done massive, massive sure, no, things here. But at the same time, just to make this point, the, there must be, always be this gnawing feeling of like, okay, well, that's great, but, but. So here's the question. I mean, like, how do you compartmentalize, you know, how do you manage your emotions while being so deeply embedded within this world, within this movement that's always asking for more, that's always demanding and just quite frankly, needing more? How, how do you personally handle that aspect? Well, I'm really glad that you, you asked that. It is, I mean, I noted that I'm a relationship driven person and that's, you know, there are really tough times. I'm an optimist. I will tell you that all the time. I, I am an optimist and I believe to do this work, um, not that you need to be it. Um, there's realists and some folks I know are pessimists who do this. But for me, that's the, it's really about there. there is an important, uh, you know, there's important work to be done. The time is now. I'm able to, to be able to provide my time and resources. I also have a network. And so that's part of, of, of utilizing and, and having a supportive network that is capable of, of bringing their own interests and helping to amplify this work. So knowing that I'm, I'm not the only person doing it here, and if I can bring you or others into it, then we continue to amplify that important work. Now, whether, and also for me to help to break down and make, make sustainability accessible, doesn't mean that we have to do big lofty work, uh, you know, things. We don't have to consult with the biggest companies that have a big footprint. We can also do every everyday things at home. And so if, one or two or three of us, if we can work together uh, in small ways and big ways, that's really where where the where it needs to happen. We need governments to be involved. We need big corporations to be involved. We need uh, everybody to be part of this movement. So, but there are times that I say no, and that's tough. You particularly, you know, it's easier behind the email or behind the Zoom to say no. But I've worked, you know, in communities where saying no is is tough very very tough and that tugs at me i'm a real person and i've never really fully gotten over that as to how to say no when you can say yes to other folks it it it's those trade-offs it's choices and it it still doesn't get easier after doing this for decades yeah well thanks for sharing that on that note, maybe we could shift over into this middle segment here, Joel, a water sure. cooler story segment. And here I just ask guests to indulge listeners with a story related to their profession. And uh, I'd really be curious to, to hear what you've got for us today. You know, I thought about, you know, what this what this looks like for telling the story of a couple places that I've been. And so just to give you a background, I I love traveling. Absolutely love it. It's tiring, it's emotional, and it is. And it's also some of the most fulfilling uh, work I, I have done. It's also because I often go to not necessarily tourist destinations. They often are filled with lots of adventure and lots of fun. And I meet uh, lots of interesting individuals. And when I think about sort of some of my most fun, there's a lot of fun that goes into this. But there's also this sort of merging of all these different emotions um, that I that I have experienced. And so for me, you know, when I think about, so I've, I've worked in Uganda for uh, oh, more than 20 years. And 
so when I when I first got there, you know, for me it was it, I, I I had traveled abroad I had traveled abroad mainly to Europe, and then I, I came to Africa the very first time. I went to a country called Zambia uh, on a whim from a from a friend of mine, and this was this it was you know a few years later that I, I came back and. I was in a new country. I was driving manual on the other side of the road, didn't know the roads. And so one day, you know, I was looking at, well, okay, how am I going, uh, how am I going to navigate things? Because I had a, I had what was called a fixer, a person who speaks 15 languages. Wow. He has a fifth, fifth grade education and it, and in, in Uganda, there's, you know, more than 29 different languages, distinct languages. And so and so I met this individual and I thought, this is, this is an important part of, you know, helping me navigate. I work in about 500 different communities in one area, and we were working on understanding both how we can, we can support endangered wildlife conservation. Well, he turned out that he said, Hey, I knew you. And I was like, we've never met before. And I, he said, no, 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 I know you. I said, well, how do you know me? He's like, well, I know you from years ago. And I said, at this point, I've been working in the country for about 10 years. So how do you know me? And he's like, well, I, I don't know you, but I know of you. And I said, well, what does that mean? Well, part of the work I do, because it's so deeply part being part of the community is who I am. And, and so one night I was, uh, I got this knock on the door at 2 a.m. And I opened the door and here it is, another, a previous field assistant or, or fixer and said, I said, Eramos, what are you doing? It's like two in the morning. And I open up the door further and I see all of these men with spears and with machetes. And I said, what, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. He's like, we need your help. We need your help right away. There's been a robbery. We need you. You're, you're the vehicle and in, in the closest vehicle in the area. We need you to come help take somebody to the hospital. And I said, well, of course, right away. Yeah. Let me Went back, put my glasses on. So I said, great, let's get in the truck. As soon as I opened the door there, it was a little unnerving. It was three, you know, by this time, three in the morning, we're driving and I have a number of individuals who are walking all alongside me and then in the car with, with uh, spears and machetes. And I get mm. to the village and I say, okay, what's happening? Well, I found, found the individual and it turns out this was this individual's sister. Yeah. She was, you know, probably in her fifties, sixties at the time. Mm. So we drove and he said, we need to pile her in the car. I said, great, let's get her in. Let's, let's get her in. She had a head wound from being beaten by robbers. We were moving uh, and, and we still had to go about 30 kilometers to the nearest hot town and, and hopefully a hospital. And this is where it sunk in that I have enormous privilege. Mm. I have enormous privilege to be able to have a vehicle that's gassed and ready to go. And, and, and it sunk into me. We were driving along these these terribly bumpy roads, and at every turn, every pothole, there was just a just agony that came from mm. his sister. And as we went to town, got on the tarmac and the paved road, and the paved road had lots of potholes, so we still weren't driving. And keep in mind, so this was years ago, often that people were walking on the sides of the roads. You'd often have vehicles that you would drive without headlights on. We drive to the hospital. First hospital no room. Second hospital, no room. Third hospital. And when I say hospital, these yeah. are probably the size of a small house, maybe at, at most. Fourth hospital, no room. And I said, let me try. 
and went back. And this is where the second time where it really sunk into me that I, I have enormous privilege it's because they took a look at me and how I represent, what I, how I present and said, we'll help. And that struck me as a really moving, moving, you can hear it, a yeah. moving time to say, this is when I do work in sustainability, it's not just about, you know, wildlife, there's real people involved. And so turns out later, years later, the reason my, my fixer knew me is because that was his mother. Wow. Wow. And so yeah, well, I found this out like 10 years later, but the point being is that doing this work, it is hard. It's very, very hard, but it's some of the most fulfilling work that you, that you'll ever do. Well, thanks for sharing that story. I mean, that, 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 that was amazing. Yeah. I, I, you could take it a number of different ways and I have a couple of questions here, but I, I think I'm just going to leave it at that. I think that's probably the best sure. possible way is just let that sink in and then let people sort of interpret it as, as they will. And uh, yeah, again, thank you for sharing that. Really, really powerful. I, I do believe. You know, with that in mind, maybe we could shift into this last segment here, Joel, a crystal ball segment. As the name implies, we're looking towards, you know, trans predictions, so on and so forth. You know, in the course of this conversation, you know, we've spoken a lot about what you've been involved with, you know, some of your roles, some of the things you've just flat out done. And uh, in our correspondence of lining this up, we we're kind of trying to, to, to think what would be most apt for you as a title for this program. As my listeners know, you know, life as a, and then I put the professional title in. You know, as a musician, as whatever it might be. And uh, we, we settled on as a sustainability champion. And the reasoning was that you thought, you know, or th this would be the best way to help sort of advance this, this idea of getting more people involved with this movement. So here's the question for you. I mean, in terms of that, I mean, that being the ultimate goal of getting more people involved in all of this, like what do you see the most effective and efficient manner for for all of this, for getting people involved, excited, you know, more passionate about it. What would you say to that? Sure. Well, I think a couple of things. Number one is that we have a lot of, you know, <laughs> we talk about sort of follow your passions. And I think that's a, a good thing to start from. But I also want to temper that with the sort of reality too, is that there's a lot of passionate people that do this kind of work. They're not all super talented. And so I think that people really need to think about where are their talents. So for me, it's, it's, can you align those talents with what, what you'd like to do, what you're passionate about and, and being able to, to have that sense of curiosity and continue to learn. So that's the first thing. Second is, yeah, I've talked about, yeah, we need, we need all, you know, everybody has a place in this and it's not just having a place, but being invited to the table. And there's part, that's a big part of where equity is. It's having, having a voice and being welcome to that conversation. I already talked a little bit about privilege, really understanding that concept of equity. That's so powerful when thinking about uh, sustainability. Third is, you know, there's, there's, there's ways that you can think about sustainability and sort of pursuing what you might want to be and what you might want to do. Be really good at one thing, really good at a musician. Uh, unfortunately, I am not. I'm not musically inclined <laughs> at all. I've tried many, many times and I'd love to sing, but I'm, horrible at it. I hear you, you could be really too. good. Yeah. You could be really good at, you know, at, at something. And I think that that's, that's super admirable. So really good in policy and really focus on that really be good at coding and technology to help develop new uh, decarbonization technology. All of that is really, really important. 
And then there's folks who can sort of put the pieces together. They sort of, they're, they're able to understand those different puzzle pieces in, and be able to build the relationships and understand that sort of bigger picture story. And that's, for me, that's where I sit. That's where my talent is. And so I want, I want folks to hear this, that, you know, what the landscape looks like now is going to change in, in five and 10 years. So what are the attributes that sort of make a person successful in this? Number one is flexibility. Two, that intense curiosity. Three is that persistence. It, not everybody, uh, I know that it, it feels like it might make sense that this is just sort of normal, or of course we would think about sort of sustainability or climate. That's not everybody. And keep in mind that we all have to make different choices in the priorities that we make with, with our lives and how we how we pursue them. So that may not be a, a priority for folks. And that's okay. Number four is we have to encourage and support and, and include different views and perspectives other than ours. Otherwise, it's an echo chamber. It's just us sitting at the table, talking to each other, saying the same thing, the same backgrounds, the mm -hmm. same experiences. That's really, really critical is to bring people, especially uh, opposing viewpoints, mm -hmm. people who differ from you. That is that's where where I think some of some of the important solutions come out. And and the next one is really understanding that it's it's a journey. It's going to take time. So it's not 2023, 2025, 2030. There's all different goals that we can set. It's part of this journey. But the time is now and we do have to act. So we can't just sit around and, and ignore the, uh, the ignore the, the issue of climate change. Yeah, I love all of that. And I think maybe, you know, considering that sentiment and what you just shared there, that might be a nice point to draw this, uh, this conversation to a close. But I've got to say, Joel, I mean, it's been such an enlightening talk and I've enjoyed every second. I can't believe we've blown through it already. We're already <laughs> nearly at an hour and I could go for another hour or two quite easily here. But uh, I am aware of your time. And, uh, yeah, again, I can't thank you enough for taking some time during the program. Thanks. This has been a lot of fun. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Well, for those interested in learning more about Joel and his work and his projects, you can check him out on LinkedIn or via some of the links within the show notes. I will have links uh, in regards to his consulting website, uh, his professional graduate programs in sustainability, uh, professional graduate program focused on the outdoor economy, as well as a link for his academic work. And again, I will have the links in the show notes. So be sure to check all those out. And also, too, if you like today's show, please be sure to share. I mean, it goes a long ways. You can also rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcast. And head on over to YouTube. In the last year, I did launch a channel over there where you'll be able to check out the full video portion of the conversation. And I will have some imagery associated with the talk. So, you know, Joel was kind enough to supply some imagery from some of his travels, from his experiences. So be sure to check that out. And if you do go over there, you know, just launched that channel not too long ago. It needs a bit of love. So hit that subscribe button as well. And then finally, don't forget to tune into the next episode of Life as a, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living. Thank you.